If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3. That's where we're going to kick off the first sermon of the year. Um, we have been working our way through this, and so I would encourage you guys to continue to stay caught up. As um, I mentioned at the beginning, this book is, is fairly complex and thick, and we're not going to necessarily cover it to its entirety, but we're going to do our best that we can along the way. And today's uh, text is a continuation of Jesus is greater, uh, the greater chain, where he just keeps pointing out that he is greater than absolutely everything that there is. And today he, he contrasts Moses uh, with Jesus, and that's what we're going to kind of study in this. But this is one of those texts, and we'll hit these quite a few times through the rest of Hebrews, where the main point is, is kind of fluid and continuing, but there's all sorts of ancillary, kind of very important and, and, and necessary things to discuss along the way. So this, this text today is going to be a lot of information to cover in, in the time today, but, but he's... A lot of scholars agree that he's answering two very, very basic questions that most of us all experience and need. Like he's, he's, there's two, two needs that are met in this text that all of us feel. And the, the, the two needs are specifically um, that we need to hear from God and we need a way to God. And those are two needs that all of us uh, desire and, and, and express and want and, and feel at different times in our life where we, we really need to hear God speak to us. We really need to hear him, him speak to us personally, not just to our friends or not just to, to, to people in the past, but we want to know what God is, is saying to us. And then we also all feel the same need. We, we want to know that we have a way to God. And, and Jesus is, is the answer to both of those questions, and we'll, we'll talk about how specifically in this text. But but as he continues this conversation, again, like I've told you since the beginning, this scripture isn't necessarily written as a letter. It's written more as a sermon. And so as we teach through it, sometimes because of the way we, we've broken it up, it's going to feel like we're, we're in the middle of, an, of a discussion and, and we didn't end one previously. So like last week, we had talked in, in chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, how Jesus was identified as the high priest. And I said, hey, we're going to talk more about this this week and, and what that specifically means. But in doing so, we also have to cover the ground that what the author was trying to do, was, which was setting out that Moses is a fantastic and incredible person and wonderful. And every single Jewish person in the first century that heard this, like Moses was someone that was held to very, very high esteem. Very high esteem. But Jesus is greater than him. The author just moves right out of angels into Moses and then going forward from there. And so let's, let's read the text and then we'll, we'll dig in a little bit and see if we can, we can get somewhere with this. Verse three, verse, or chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in heavenly calling. Okay, I'm going to pause for a second. We made it really far into this text, okay? <laughs> Therefore, going back to, because Jesus is the high priest, because he is the, he is the high priest that makes propitiation for the sins, because he suffered everything that he was tempted, he understands who or what we go through and how we're going through it and what it's like to be there. Because of that, therefore, Holy brothers. Now, I mentioned at the very, very beginning when we opened this book that there are different audiences at time that he's speaking to. This one's very clear from here, the very first verse, and at the end of verse six as well, that he is speaking to Christians. So this, this text is coming to you and I, those of us that would consider ourselves brothers and sisters in Christ, meaning that we have submitted our, our lives to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He is who is our King. He's our Messiah. He's everything. That's who he's speaking to in this text, okay? So holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Now, this is why it's important. He tells believers to consider Jesus. Now, I'll just tell you, this is just free, but as a pastor, I feel like I preach Jesus Christ more to people that know Jesus Christ than I do people that don't. Not because I don't 
evangelize, but because the people that say they believe in Christ seem to forget who he is on a regular basis. They forget the gospel, which remember, if you back to chapter 2, he just warned them, don't drift, don't neglect your salvation. Okay, so this is what he's talking about. Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been accounted worthy of more glory than Moses. That would have been like a mic drop right there, okay, for a few people. Okay, count it more glory than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now, this is important. The builder of all things is God. He's already established in chapter one that, the build, that, that, God, that Jesus is God. And so this is another claim right here. The builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later speaking about Christ. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. And so there's this, this kind of the beginning, okay, brothers, this is, this is who you are, a part of your heavenly calling. Now, this is something that the staff we did on our retreat, we talked about. We, were, we actually studied the word calling as a staff on our retreat this last fall, and we realized that biblically, I'm just gonna throw this one out there, this is another free point. Don't get too stuck on this. Biblically, we don't actually see calling used in any other way except for called to salvation. So when you say, I'm called to move here, I'm called to do this. No, you're led. You were called to salvation. And that's where we see that word going there. So he's, he's saying a heavenly calling. So he's saying, brothers, you've been called up. You've been called to salvation. It's a, it's a heavenly thing. It's a gift that, that, is, that, is, we're div, that we're setting up right now, which is Jesus is over all, right? Remember the foot, the enemy will be his footstool, you have been called to this heavenly calling. You are, you are in place, which is our confession, which is our confession. Now, that word confession isn't the way that we think of it, like I need to confess of my sins. That's not the way that this be, is being used here. In the early church, it meant more of sharing. Um, it meant, it, this, is, this is a telling people of what was really true about what you believe. So, so Jesus Christ is our confession. Well, how? How is your confession? Because he's the apostle and the high priest. Two words that we need to talk about before we decide or get into how Jesus is greater than Moses. Two really, really big things that answer those two questions. The need to, to hear from God and the need for a way to God. See, apostle is a sent one who has the rights, power, and authority of the one who sends them. So Jesus is the one sent from God to earth with the revelation of his heavenly calling. And so Jesus has been sent to us. So you want to you hear the message of God. You want to hear from God. He sent Jesus to speak to us. That's what he's been laying out for the first two chapters. What you heard originally, people, about God and everything came from, from prophets and, and angels and dreams and visions, but what you get now comes from Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only one that brings hope. And so when you want to hear from God, you've heard from him through Jesus Christ. You can hear from him through Jesus Christ. He is the beginning and the end. He's the word of God. Jesus is your apostle. He's your sent one. So the need for us to want to hear more from him, we have already heard from him. And he is continuing to speak to us through his Holy Spirit, through his word. So we his apostle, this, that's a big 
big statement for us to understand that Jesus is the one who was sent to us. Now, that term, we have the apostles that, that, that kind of started the New Testament, and outside of that, like, that's really it. It's people sharing God's word, sent by God to give God's word, to give God's message. And Jesus was sent by God to this earth to live a, a, a perfect life, free from the sin, tempted in all ways that we were tempted, just putting it back again. Like I said, this, this book is really a, a big, long sermon, so we, by breaking it up week by week, we kind of can miss some of that stuff if we're not careful. But Jesus is, is speaking to us. And then our way to God was set up in, in chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. It was that he is the high priest, that Jesus is the high priest that makes atonement for our sins. He, he takes care of our sins. Now, high priest is a go-between who offers a sacrifice so that there can be reconciliation. So when we see Jesus as our high priest, um, in verse 17, we see that it, um, more clear that he has been made like us, like us in all things. He's been made like us in all things so that, so that he can be the perfect and faithful, merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. So the great, the great value that Jesus brings as a high priest is that Jesus now as the high priest is someone that goes and says, I can now make right all of your sins. As the high priest, I can be the one that's the go-between between you and God because you know you need it. You know apart from God, we are left without hope. Apart from God, we are left without hope. Apart from Christ, we are left standing in hostility to God. See, we, we, this is the, the difference so that when Jesus, when Jesus makes himself um, when he becomes human and he walks that life, when he allows himself to take the role as the merciful high priest, what he's done is he's basically said, look, I can make atonement for all sins. So in Jesus, the answer to the two big needs, I want to hear from God, he's the apostle sent by God. I want, I want, to, I want a way to God? Well, Jesus is the high priest. He's the way. Jesus is the way to God. And so we have that in these two very specific things. Why? Because Jesus was faithful. Which takes us to our next point, which is what I think the author's trying to, to hammer in here. Is Jesus is greater than Moses. And for, again, for most of us, we're like, well, yeah, we see that. But Moses was held with very high esteem in this day. In fact, this isn't even to make light of who Moses is. So this isn't like Jesus, the, the author is going to come up and say, well, Moses is really kind of just a punk. He's, he's a poser, right? And Jesus is the real deal. No, this is, this is elevating him in a very big way. In fact, we know, we know specifically that, that God actually spoke face-to-face to Moses. He doesn't do that with any other prophet. So Moses, when it comes to the other prophets, is, 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 is above them. He's the prophet of prophet. In fact, there are ways that we see Moses with the people of Israel operating semi-like a high priest, even though he was never a high priest. Aaron was, but he had priestly duties. And we see Moses operating very much like an apostle because he's sent by God to, to free the people. So, so there's this great parallel between Moses and Jesus Christ, but Jesus is the greater Moses. He's greater than Moses. And that's what the author's doing here. After he's laid out this big, long, two-chapter argument about why Jesus is greater than the angels, he moves on to Moses and says, look, Moses, as amazing as he is, as incredible as he is, Jesus is greater. Now, for us, again, today, we hear that. We're like, yeah, okay, that's cool. For them, if they were at risk of drifting, this was the point. 
Jesus being the Messiah, Jesus being the greatest thing, this was what was, was kind of cutting people to either stand firm in faith or to, to waffle and to start drifting away into old religion, or religious systems. And so Jesus being a perfect high priest and a, an apostle, but he's, he's, even, he's even greater than Moses. And what's, what's incredible is that the author doesn't, doesn't do away with what Moses did. He actually quotes Numbers. Numbers 12, 7, we talked in verse 2 and in verse 5. He kind of paraphrases it in verse 2 and hits it a little bit more in verse 5, talking about Moses being the faithful servant of his house. So he doesn't, he doesn't make his argument by minimizing what Moses does. He actually makes his argument by saying, look at how great Moses was. Look at incredible, look at, he was a faithful servant of God's house. House, now we have to understand this, house does not mean building structures. It is not, it is a people, it is a people. House is not a physical building that he's talking about here. He's talking about a people. And so Moses was faithful with God's house. He was faithful to the people of God, the Israelites, to lead them and to serve them. And Moses walked in that way, and so he's, he's elevating Moses. So he's, he's making an incredible point to a, a people group that would have needed to hear this very thing. Saying, look, Moses was incredible. We know it. We have scripture. We've all memorized it. We all celebrate him. We still celebrate um, Passover and all these things that he was a part of, that he was in this thing. And, and he's saying, as faithful as he was, Christ was more faithful. Christ was more faithful. In fact, he says, he says, Moses was also, was also was faithful in all of God's house, for Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. So why was Christ's faithfulness more glorious than Moses' faithfulness? And that's where he goes to. He says, look, it's because of the house. <laughs> it's because of the house. Moses lives in the house, which is fantastic. He's a part of the house, which is incredible. But God builds the house. And the builder is greater and worthy of more glory and honor than the house itself. Now, that's important for us to understand. Now, maybe to most of us, we aren't stuck on Moses and Jesus. But I think in a lot of ways, we get stuck on ourselves and Jesus. And we see ourselves and our house as more important than Jesus Christ. We see our inner workings and our, our faithfulness or lack of faithfulness takes precedence over Jesus Christ and his grace and his perfection and his faithfulness. And so the, the author here makes this argument. He says, look, the builder is always worthy of more honor. Oh, and, and just in case you're wondering, God built all things. He kind of throws that in there as if that was a question mark. Just in case you're wondering. It'd be, it'd be like a bunch of us arguing about who was better at something and Jesus sitting in the room. Man, you know, I was, I was better at this, and I did this, and I, I did that. And Jesus could, like, in one moment be, well, I just created all of you. So as great as you all are, I made you that way, so I, I win. You know, like, Mike, drop that, right? Like, that's, that's, liter that's literally what he's, he's making the point here. Is he's saying as great and as incredible and as wonderful as Moses was, he served a purpose, he had a role in God's plan, and it was to talk about who? Jesus. It was to point to who? Jesus. As we talked about last week, the Exodus, and, and, and Moses leading people from slavery into freedom, well, Jesus leading people from slavery of death into freedom. It is, it is all a picture of Jesus, and this author does a profoundly amazing job of tying in everything, specifically the early books, on how they all point to Jesus Christ. 
And so he continues to make this argument that Jesus is greater. Jesus is the greater Moses. He's the greater angel. He's greater than anything. He's the greater Adam. He is greater than it all. And he does it profoundly better than anyone else. And he's worthy of much more glory than anyone else. And so that's how he crowns him. That's how he crowns him. He says, this is your house. Jesus was faithful in all ways to God, which, let's be honest, I think if you look at a lot of the prophets and some of the things they had to do to be faithful to God, I feel like there were probably some times they were thinking like, why me, God? Why me? Really, I'm, I'm the one that's going to have to do this? Jesus was faithful to God all the way through death. Jesus was faithful to God all the way through the Garden of Gethsemane, to the cross, to the tomb, only to be risen again. His faithfulness is incredible. And the author essentially is saying, look, at the very end, our confidence comes in him. You want to hear from God, it comes to the apostle Jesus Christ. You want, to, you want to weigh to God, it comes from the high priest Jesus Christ. And you want to walk in hope and confidence, well, guess who it comes in? Jesus Christ. Because he is greater than absolutely everything. He ends this section with a bit of a difficult conversation, and we're going to have this happen to us a number of times in Hebrews, but he basically says, and we are his house. So this is the conversation. So he says, okay, if Jesus is the greatest in the house because he built the house, and then he comes back and says, look, okay, holy brothers, brothers and sisters, those of you that, that proclaim Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as your king, you're his house if we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. And that is a very difficult statement. So it's like, okay, so if we persevere, if we hold fast, if we persevere, we're, we're, we're saved? Is that, is that, the, is that the, the question that's coming up here? Is that, is that what's happening? Hold fast is, literally means to persevere in faithfulness. That's literally what it means. To hold, if you hold fast to the confidence of Jesus Christ, well, then you're saved. And that's not, that's not what is actually being said here. I want to be really clear on this. It's actually saying that faithfulness is proof of real faith. This is, this, that's the argument here. It's not, it's not that if, you, if you, you mess up tomorrow, it's like, well, am I saved or am I not? What's going on here? That's not the statement. We're going to have to talk a lot more in depth about this in other texts in this book, a lot more. But what he's specifically saying here is this, this conditional sentence is, is kind of like, a, um, it's a parallel to verse 14. We'll hit it again in a second. And the, and the admonitions throughout the discourse make it clear that this author of Hebrews recognizes the very thing that Jesus taught in Mark on the sower of seeds. That like the seed that's sown in rocky places, that all, um, all the signs of life, but don't persevere. The seed that was thrown on the rocky soil. They all, it, spoke, it sprung up like it seemed life was there. But it, it fell away because it had no deep roots. First John talks about this too. Um, one scholar wrote it this way, and I think it's, it's way better than anything I can say, so I'll just go ahead and read it. It says, Perseverance does not gain salvation, but demonstrates the reality that true salvation indeed has been inaugurated. If the end comes and a person is not in a relationship with Christ, it means that the person had never truly become Christ's companion. So it's not, it's not, it's not anything other than proof of what we already know is true in us. If we hold fast... Hebrews 10.35 tells us to not throw away our confidence, which is a great reward. Don't drift into indifference and belief. Becoming a Christian and being a Christian happens in the same way, by hoping in Jesus. A kind of hoping that produces confidence and boasting in who? In 
Jesus. See, so often we want to have more confidence in ourselves when really the, 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 the hope is, is that we can be more confident in Christ. The hope isn't that we'd be more confident in ourselves, it'd be that we'd be more confident in Christ. Now, I can tell you, I, I, I do believe that as we pursue and walk in more confidence in Him, I believe that we will be more confident in who He has made us to be. We'll be more confident in making the choices that His Scriptures call us to, to make. And so he ends this making this statement where he's like, look, look our, our confidence comes in Jesus, but we are to persevere in faith just like he did for us. He, he says that. He says, you want to you know? You want to know? This is the question that this book hits. You want to know if you're saved? So many people ask, this, well, I, don't, I just don't know. I look at my life and I see this and I see that. You want to know? It, it comes here through perseverance. I heard it said this one time, and it's kind of a dark way to look at this, but the only way a husband ever or wife ever know that the other person's faithful, like for the entirety of the marriage, is when they die faithful. Right? Like it, it, meaning, meaning if I can say I'm faithful all day long to Jen, which I, I am, and that's good, right? And I want to be, but the way that I know that I was fully faithful the whole time is that when I die and I never was not faithful. This is the same, same situation. You want to persevere to the end. You want to walk this race. The, the Hebrews, we're going to get to chapter 12. In fact, we're going to talk about it in our dedications today. All right, this is this, this divine race that we're on where our, our purpose and our role in life is to, to, to submit to Jesus Christ and his kingship and his lordship and to continue to pursue him and to pursue others to be more like him. And so we, we see that the author makes a really great push on us by saying, specifically that Jesus is greater than Moses. We also see that in this moment that Jesus, as the high priest, he can make atonement for our sins. He's the, the one that actually can intervene before God. He's the one that, that speaks to us as an apostle and speaks for us to God as a propitiation for our sins. So he, he is the one that kind of connects all those dots. And he is greater than Moses because he was the one that built the house that Moses is in. Now, when it says Moses as a servant, that wasn't like a, a servant, like, make, make my food and, and do my dishes. That was, he was a, an honored representative of the family is the way that term was used. And so he's saying, look, look Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is so much greater than Moses because he is the builder of the house that Moses resides in. He's the builder of the house that we reside in. Should we see in our lives the perseverance? Should we see that, then we can have confidence in boasting in Jesus Christ. So when we see ourselves do something that is faithful, we don't boast in our own self, we boast in Christ. When our marriage actually seems to be honoring God and looks like that momentarily, that moment of, of Jesus and, and the church, we don't boast in ourselves, we boast in Jesus Christ. We find confidence in who he is and what he's done for us. The first three chapters spend a lot of time talking about Jesus being greater. The, the, we go on from here talking again a lot about Jesus. And so I, I keep telling you, I keep warning you, there's going to be a lot of talk about Jesus for the rest of this book. And one of the ways that one of the ways that I kind of wanted to challenge you this year, one of the ways that I had hoped that that we could, as a, as a body, as a community of people, that we could really pursue this year, was was faithfulness. And I, I, I kind of add the word like risky faithfulness. Like maybe some of us need to take some risks this year. And, and I, I love that that at the first of the Sunday, I, I wish I could tell you I totally 
aligned it this way. I didn't. But the first Sunday that we're together in the first new year talks about God's faithfulness through Jesus Christ. Jesus was incredibly faithful. He's saying, look, Moses was incredibly faithful. And as members of his house, you know what we're called to be? Incredibly faithful. And so we're going to take this year to push on faith. We're going to take this year to push on you guys in your faith, whether, whether or not that is a new faith for some of you in Jesus Christ. Maybe it's, I've had a faith for a long time, but it seems dull and dry. And maybe for some of you, it's, it's like, man, it's, it's a faith of, of taking that step really close to that cliff that the Lord is, is leading you, not calling you. That was free, okay? Leading you on. But, but wherever it is, wherever it is, if you ever lose sight of Jesus being greater than what you're going through, you're going to make it about yourself. You're going to make it about yourself, and ultimately, it's going to become about worshiping something that isn't God, and it's going to leave you very, very, very insecure without hope as opposed to confident with hope. And so as, as the band comes up and we, we worship some more, we sing some more, I want to I leave you and encourage you with this. If Jesus is truly greater than all things, then, then what things do we keep giving a close second to? If the author is, is, is so like bent on pushing all of the, like, the big things, like angels and Moses, these are all things that these people held in very high esteem. What, what would be the, the, the modern-day version of that for us? Is, is it our family? Is it finances? Is it our reputation? Is it our education? Is it our church? What, what, what would we be placing a little high that Jesus would come and go, or that the author of Hebrews would come and say, oh, okay, okay. Hang on, you guys, just so you know, that's great stuff. That's good stuff. But Jesus is greater, and here's how, and here's why. And if, if, if you and I aren't paying attention, if we're not willing to ask that question or go there, and we're just kind of like, oh, that's a neat idea, and we just kind of let it go, if we're not willing to ask that question, the danger is that we will neglect our salvation like he tells us in chapter 2. The danger is that we will drift away from God. You never drift towards God. It's a, a stepping, a, a very noticeable and, and choice-driven thing. I'm going to step towards the Lord. You don't just accidentally fall in love with the Lord. He pursues you. He opens your heart. You open to him, and you love him because of what he's done and who he is. And so wherever, wherever you are, if, if you have something that's a second, maybe some of you are like, man, I don't got nothing up there. Like Jesus is on the top. Well, then praise God. Then boast about him. Spend more time boasting about him. Like, I, I want your friends and your family to be kind of annoyed about how much you talk and boast about Jesus Christ. If all of us had a friend do something incredible and it was one of those great videos that you see on Facebook, like, whoa, I can't believe some person did that, you would like, check it out, look what this person did. We have an entire book talking about what Jesus did for us. And it's really incredible. And so maybe it's, it's time that we just start boasting more about him. And be confident that he will do what he does best. He will work on the hearts of every one of the people we come in contact with. He will be the one that draws people to the Lord. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to be a part of your house. What an honor it is, Lord. I don't even um, deserve to, to, to be in, in that house, Lord but you have faithfully and graciously given me a way to do it through Jesus Christ. God, we, we 
Forgive us for not seeing how valuable it is to be a part of the house where, where the son gets the inheritance of the father and you have adopted us in as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. So we don't just get to be a part of work in this house, but we get the inheritance through Jesus Christ. And God, as we, as we continue to study more about Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that you would. I pray you, 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 you as the founder of our faith, and also the perfecter, I pray that you perfect. If that means you have to cut away things that aren't of you, then do it, Lord. If that means that you have to um, push on us harder because we're stubborn, then push, God. That means that you just continue to encourage us as we submit ourselves to you, then God, please keep encouraging us. But Father, we pray that this would be a year where where faith is, is deepened, and out of that you get more boasting about Jesus Christ. God, we pray that there would be this would just be a, a small group of people, representation of who and what your house is to look like on this earth today. We love you, God, and we, 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 we know the honor it is to be a part of your house, and we don't take that lightly. So God, would you please help us to walk more faithfully in your house in this dark, dark world. We pray as we, as we worship you, God, that it would be worship from, um, from a spot of confidence in who you are and not uh, distracted by the lack of who we are, God. I pray that you would allow us to worship you with a whole heart, not um, a, a divided heart. God, I pray that you would help us to, to worship you with, um, with faithfulness because you are so, so faithful. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.